COVID has had a huge impact on stress levels. So the home environment should be a place of calm and it, we should stimulate all the senses. If we're in lockdown at the moment, you have to love the space that you're living in. Otherwise, you're not going to find that sense of centeredness or peace within your home. You're listening to the She Renovates podcast. You're listening to She Renovates, the podcast for women who want to renovate to create an income and a life they love. Hello, everyone. So today I have a guest and my guest is Deb DeJong. Deb is a powerhouse with an incredible story, but most importantly, she's a beautiful human being. And she's also an interior designer by trade. She's been in television on shows like Changing Rooms, Renovation Rumble and Renovation Rescue. And she's in partnership with DNA Behaviour International, which I have absolutely no idea what that is. So I'm really intrigued to find out a bit more about it. I've got a snippet, but that's what this is really all about. And firstly, welcome, Deb. Thanks so much. That was a lovely introduction. Thanks, Bernadette. You're very welcome. And you've got an incredible history and I would really love you to put it into plain English for us. So just give us the layman's version of what you have been doing up to this point. Look, it's, it's eclectic. <laughs> Bit of an eclectic career. I, look, I started out as a 20-year-old I wanted to travel the world as you do. And I thought the only way I can do that at the rate that I wanted to do it at was if I got up and served chicken or beef. So I worked for Qantas for 10 years in a very glamorous, hosty role and just loved the variety of every time you go to work, you're mixing with 401 people on an aircraft, seeing incredible sights in, the, in India, Tahiti, Bahrain, Rome, London, traveling around the globe. And it was the most spectacular lifestyle. And in doing that, what transpired was I saw a lot internationally that we didn't have in the Australian market. And I have a passion, always, always had a passion for interiors or nice surroundings because my father had a paint and wallpaper business. So dad was always re, re-energizing the walls with a new wallpaper or showing me an eclipta or different paint finishes. So I had a passion for interiors. And while I was away overseas, I saw a lot of stuff that we didn't have in the Australian market, firstly, but I also knew that we didn't have a lot of budget stuff. And I think it's, we all want to be surrounded by beautiful things, regardless of our financial status. So my ex-husband and I started a company called Fantastic Furniture. And we started that with a $5,000 in a dream and two kids importing. Uh, and it ended up being one of the largest manufacturing plants in Australia. And still, they, it's gone in now to be a consortium, whether it's Plush Dare, our mattress factory, fantastic furniture. And you think that's done awesomely well from a young girl and a young man who just had a go at something. So I, I have a passion for people succeeding. And I think we can create anything with a dream and, and a little bit of passion. And so I then went into interior design myself because it was a passion from a young age and went into lifestyle shows at Channel 9 doing renovation shows, changing rooms and renovation rescue. And then out of that came a lot of speaking engagements around interior design and how to design on a budget, how to decorate on a great budget and how to do things effectively and something that you know only too well. Uh, 
and then I, I had to look at the science behind the same. So I studied human behavioral analytics with a company called DNA Behavior in the States. Hugh Massey's the founder, he's an Aussie, and he's taken it over to the States. So I, I, I play in the realm of great interiors, but understanding the behavior of creating for great interiors. Yeah, yeah in like, a snapshot. That's an incredible journey. And I have to say, I did miss the fantastic furniture piece out of your intro. And it just, like my mind boggles because it's something that I have, I just have no concept of what's involved in that, but it just seems huge. And to have achieved that, I think says a lot about you as a person and your level of drive. And, and the other thing I want to say is that you would have to be one of the most articulate people that I know. And so in terms of being a speaker, like I, I can see why you ended up on telly. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So we, it's a big oh, honor to have you on, on the podcast. And so let's delve in a little bit to, and you've answered this in some ways, as we're all about women, our mission is all about women harnessing that passion for creating beautiful homes in a way that improves their life. And it, it always fascinates me the paths people take. I don't think I've ever come across someone that's taken a path that's quite as tortuous as yours, but had so many interesting turns. It, that's not the right word. Interesting turns. And I'm curious to know, I know your dad was a wallpaper uh, and painter. Was that the catalyst or was there something deeper that really drove you down that interiors path? Look, I think it's in your DNA to have a penchant for specific things. I was always a creative child, always drawing and, and had my hands in paint or in plaster or in something. And I think if you're a right brain person, you look for something that is a right brain career. Like you, you, I, I love this analogy that you give up a day of your life to do your job. So you better enjoy it. That's, you give your life in exchange, that whole day, every day to do your job. You've got to love what you do. And so for me, I'm, I'm an outgoing introvert. I love people, but then I need my downtime. And in my downtime, we all want to be surrounded by a space that's nurturing and comforting and, and created specifically to us because life is so very precious. And so how do I end up in this space? It's always been within me to have and create beautiful environments, whether that's in residential for my own homes or for other people. I think we all should, life is so short and it's so incredibly precious. I don't think it's worth living in environments that are toxic or, or in relationships that are toxic or, or in work life that's toxic. I think we need to create beautiful spaces around us to go and retreat from the rest of the world. I really agree with that. You see often the memes about you're the driver of your own destiny, but you do wonder about how many people do actually live in less than optimal situations and don't really take the, like I know some situations are unavoidable, but often I think there are some people that just accept the status quo rather than really going out there and grabbing what could be theirs. And I think that's definitely clear. It's clear that's what you've done. And yeah, and I think it's impressive. Oh, yes, but you too, you too. But I think the reason we get on so well is because you interrupt people, you interrupt their life choices and you give them more options. 
And I think this is probably why we have a, an underpinning familiarity with each other in that there's nothing more exceptional than putting somebody in a different trajectory. And you do that so beautifully with your wonder women and your renovating women and you give them more options, more choices. They don't have to stay on that same treadmill of working for the man or in a career that they don't choose to have. Yeah. And you, I'm singing your praise here for a moment and saying if you have the opportunity to interrupt somebody's trajectory and give them a better lifestyle, what more is there to life? Oh, you know, and you do I, that so, so beautifully. So, so a, thank you. It's a hugely satisfying experience actually making opening their eyes to what's possible and yeah so it's mm. quite in some ways it's quite a selfish endeavor because I just get so much out of it and I guess that's what keeps us doing what we do when there's that it's not just about mm. a financial reward it's about a personal reward and I think a lot of creatives are like that and really that level of satisfaction is what drives them sometimes more than money. Yeah. So thank you for that. Now, I want to ask you to elaborate a bit more on the DNA behavior process. The, I think who we would are use born with a DNA. The, yeah, there's a series in the UK called 7up. I don't know whether you've ever watched it, but this to me always brings home that we are inherently born with our in DNA that will last us for our life. And they, they did a series in the UK where they shot 21 children from all sorts of socioeconomic backgrounds. They put them all in the playground and they shot snippets of their life at the age of seven. They revisited it at, at 14, at 21, 28 and so forth. And it's still ongoing. And they found that the child at the age of seven was still the same at 14, 21, 28, their desires and hopes and penchant for either um, being gregarious or outgoing or being more introverted or reserved or their passion to nurture or look after people or being fast paced or slow paced or being more emotive. That child at seven was exactly the same at 14, 21, 28 and so forth. So I think we have an inherent DNA. Yes, there are learnt behaviours, but we have an inherent DNA that navigates us all the way through our life. And the most important thing for us to do is to understand ourselves. I think in understanding ourselves, we can find peace, but also we can learn to understand other people. So DNA behavior is a psychometric testing that allows you to see in a snapshot what your financial DNA is, what your behavior is or your fundamental temperament, and what your communication style is. So in a snapshot, you can read someone. It's a little bit like body language, but in a one-page report, you can understand whether you're fast-paced, slow-paced, relationship-based or results-focused, whether you like to get to the bottom line quickly or whether you need to meander to get to that space and be nurtured to it. But the exciting thing for me is in a snapshot, you can save yourself years of heartache or confusion or conflict by understanding who you are and also understanding who you're communicating with. It just saves you a lot of a lot of second guessing and a lot of conflict. And I think in, a, in an age where we are at the moment in COVID, I, I can't imagine how many marriages are suffering because you're suddenly faced with this person that you're not used to spending 24 hours a day with. And I think if you understand the differences and the dynam different dynamics in personality, 
and their communication style, you can navigate relationships so much more easily. But my penchant for the DNA side is also the design DNA. It's your design identity. And I've, there's four fundamental temperaments, goal setter, lifestyle, stability, and information. And these four temperaments live in extremely different environments. So the goal setter, it's all about the, we want strong, solid pieces. We don't want the room to control us because we're in control. We're the leaders, we're the initiators, we take charge. We want the strongest table in the restaurant because we want people to know that we've acquired status and been successful. So we want lots of blues and neutral harmony, harmonious colors, not too much color, not too much movement because we're enough color. There is the lifestyle. Lifestyle is all about color and texture. You'll notice these if you walk into a restaurant because they're animated. They're the one getting up and talking at the table. They're moving their arms. They usually wear a lot of strong, bold colors. And the lifestyle temperament needs texture around them. They need fur on their bed as a throw. They need rope and interesting pieces and they need high chroma colors. It's all about the stimulation. They love to entertain. So they're not like nice big open areas where they can welcome people in. We've got information temperaments and information is all about the detail. They don't, if they're going to a restaurant, they want to sit in a corner and observe. They don't want to be the center of attention and they don't need the statement. They want to observe and analyze. It's all about the detail. They're happy to have a look at the chair and see what it's made of or listen to conversations. They don't need to have a platform. And then there's stability and stability is all about being easygoing and nurturing. These are the people that love to be surrounded by nature. They love placid greens and harmonious colors. So the space that I play in is really interior design and human behavioral analytics. So it's designing based on temperament and how we need to surround ourselves. And that makes that, sense. Yeah, that's fascinating. Actually, uh, just stepping back to um, what you were talking about, knowing how to communicate with other people. We've just recently partnered with a social enterprise that is based in India. And so one of the and one of the problems that they have is so the so it's a, a company that organized that has hand knitting, does hand knitting. And they have these units of women in India who knit the garments, but it's not you think India sweatshops, no, like really good conditions and so on. And a lot of the women have not been able to work since COVID because the the, the quality control people and the managers can't get around to to see them and to see the work. And so they each needed a mobile phone, a smartphone to be able to, you know, send examples of their work. Anyhow, the long and the short of it is we're going, we're buying the mobile phones for these women to come and so they can get back to work and earning money. But one of the things about the women is Love that it. most of them have backgrounds of domestic violence it's very common they fight with their husbands and usually so one of the women I was talking to her and she was saying how up until 12 months ago she would fight with her husband most days and most times it would end up with him hitting her with a stick and and this company is actually owned by a woman who has experienced domestic violence itself. So she's been coaching them on how to talk to their husbands for that not to happen. So it's a similar thing when you're talking about knowing how to talk to people because 
Apparently their conversations are quite inflammatory. They scream at one another and then it ends up in violence. So Puina is the lady I was speaking to and I said to her, so how long is it since you've had an argument with him? And she said, oh, at least three months since we've had an argument. And I said, so how long is it since you've had been hit with a stick? 12 months. And that's just all around communicating differently with him so that they don't end up in that situation. <laughs> so, yeah, when you were talking about knowing how to communicate with other people, it struck me that is a really valid use of that information. Sorry, I'm, I diverged. Well, I just think they say that a little information is a dangerous thing. And the more we know about how to communicate, we are empowering ourselves and others to live a better life. And it's, it's so easy in all that you're doing that and that you're buying the mobile phones, what a wonderful thing that you are coming alongside. And yet here again is yet another illustration where you are championing women in a space that others could potentially join or be of assistance with and for you. And again, this is why you and I speak the same language. It's an interesting thing in that we're both fast paced, we're both results focused, and yet you've taken the time to do that. I'd like to say I'm Mother Teresa, but <laughs> no. Sorry, I, I just feel that. <laughs> I feel guilty actually that as women in Australia, like our, my mission is that the women that come into our program have the capacity to be able to produce 100000 from a project. That's really what, what it boils down to. And then they can use that skill to, to build the life yep. they want. And I feel really guilty about the fact that we are that privileged that we can that can be something we want when there are women in the developing world, world who are suffering this hardship. And so mm -hmm. seriously, I felt like I had to find some way of impacting someone that's not as privileged as mm -hmm. the women as us. And thank you the, those words but yeah I, I do the thing is you can't you, you, as you say you're not mother Teresa you can't change the world but just because I can't give a total transformation to that life and give them the lifestyle I have you are doing what you can with what you have in your hand yeah you know, this is, and it, it's daily choices to yeah. do what you can with what's in your hand so it would be great to build them all houses and put them on a trajectory that would set them up for life but you're doing what you can and what's needful now is a mobile phone to facilitate yeah. their business so you're going above and beyond and you're doing more than perhaps the person next to you bravo you oh thank you well, well i'll move on and so with your understanding of how texture and color and and general interiors how they have such a powerful impact on its on the inhabitants of the home and keeping in mind that our listeners are for profit mm. renovation what would be your opinion about how we should go around go about creating spaces that really connect with our buyers have you got any ideas or tips on that yeah, look, I, I definitely think that there are, if you're buying, this is a thing, I'm not talking about designing for you as an individual. We're now talking about designing or styling or revamping to, for sale. So it's a, it's a very different ball game. But there's things such as, from a paint perspective, all skirting boards, door trims, doors, 
architraves should all be the same color and that should be a gloss so that it's or a gloss or semi-gloss so that it can be easily wiped that's a standard scenario and it's got to suit a whole lot of temperaments coming in and then they can put their own mark on it things like ceiling should always be white and it should always be flat that's our standard white on white how many whites are there we've had this conversation before and there's a lot of whites finding the right palette for you to duplicate over and over again and i think the most important thing from a selling perspective is styling it properly and you've mm. got to look at spatial planning i'll give you an illustration of spatial planning this also comes into play as does color psychology so i have a very dear friend kelly vandermeer who toys r us came to australia and they set it up on the proviso that you drive on the right hand side and you peel off to the right because it was an american company in australia we drive on the left hand side and we peel off to the left when they first brought it here people walked in and walked to the left because that's their natural route and the cash machine was there, the, the, the register. So it was like, oh, they're trying to close the sale, don't quite know where to go, walk back round and left. They had to mirror reverse the floor plan and they increased sales by 40% because you have to guide people on the floor as to which way to go. The same applies to the house. It's not about feng shui, but it's about people having a, the layout that works from a, a, a spatial planning perspective. Things such as, if we sit in a restaurant, we like something behind our back because we feel that we're not gonna get, there's no predator to coming to, to attack. So things like the bed should all, always be against, the back of their bed should always be against a wall. So you feel safe and secure, you're gonna sleep well at night. And just things like that, such as spatial planning, making sure there's enough room around everything, making sure your colors are in order, things such as red, okay, I'm looking at this, color travels in waves. So much like sound waves, people can feel color. So a blind person can feel the heat from red. It's a heat, it's a heat feeling. You don't paint your kitchen red because red will make you hungry, angry, irritable, attract flies and want sex. People are going to look at this red and go, oh, it's irritating my iris. It's changing my mood. And I don't want to stay in this kitchen, particularly for people that like to cook. They don't want to see that harshness to the eye. Color psychology also comes into play. So you need to stay away from color with your uh, designing and decorating, except when it comes to smaller pieces. You can certainly put reds in cushions. You can certainly put reds in vases or vignettes, but stay away from it from a boldness of color on the walls. It should be really a fairly neutral canvas and then really well styled. That's going to suit a lot of different temperaments. Yeah, that's really, that's interesting, actually. Look, I had some inkling of the impact of colour, but yeah, amazing. And I think lots oh, of muted tones, you know, lots yet. of muted earthy tones helps. I think, yeah, what was it? What was the next question? And I'll come back and answer it again. Something that I often, I'm often having a conversation with one of uh, the women that I work with about mirroring nature in your, I think there's a big movement towards that mirroring nature in your in how you style a home because you notice now that we want the like the beachy timbers the light timbers and the muted colors we want plants inside we want to, to bring the, the outdoors in so I think that's probably quite a yeah a good way to go as well in terms of when you're renovating to sell look we're spending a whole lot more time at home than we used to and so our home environment has to be a place that brings calm and peace. There's enough stress, 
once the television is on or the radio is on with how we're hearing what's going on in the rest of the world. COVID has had a huge impact on stress levels. So the home environment should be a place of calm and it, we should stimulate all of the senses. It should be surrounding ourselves with scents that are going to bring calm, things like lavender that bring, or, or a citrus that's going to bring harmony to our, our senses. We want great music in the space. We need to hear calming music as opposed to jarring noise and new news that is aggressive and, and fear mongering. We need to touch, we need to surround ourselves with, which are going to stimulate our touch. So your satins and your furs and your textured finishes that are going to give us a sense of nurture. We need to surround ourselves with sight, a, a taste. Why, why not be putting taste in a bowl of ginger or something that's going to stimulate the senses? So I think we need, we, COVID has changed the way that we need to live because out there in the world, there's so much noise that when we retreat, particularly in COVID, we're in lockdown at the moment, you have to love the space that you're living in. Otherwise, you're not going to find that sense of centeredness or peace within your home. And you add to that a couple of children that you've got to homeschool and a husband that's working from home. And suddenly it's a, it, it's an ex, it's a recipe for disaster for some, unless we take the time to retreat and redraw away from the world and just find center again. I must admit, I'm the exact opposite. I love when we're in lockdown from a personal point of view because Stephen works from home and it's just, I just do not like being at home in the house on my own. It just, I'm just not that sort of person. I don't need alone time. And so I'm just loving having him at home all the time, even though we don't really talk that much. But I did say to him, you don't go back to work because you'll have to tell them if you're going to come back to work, your wife's going to leave you. But that, yeah, that probably won't work because, yeah, it's just different. But I think if I had to homeschool, I think that would be disastrous. I really feel for parents who are tied down to small homes with a few children roaring around meant to be doing homework. And, yeah, so I, they, they have all my sympathy. Are you enjoying being at home? Look, I, again, I'm an outgoing introvert, so I love people and I enjoy people, but I live such a fast-paced life in the game of architecture and design and events that when I come home, I don't want to see anyone. <laughs> so I'm happy to have my space to drift off. And I think because you give so much energy that being at home is actually quite, it's like a forced rest. So I don't mind being at home. But then if I go for a walk in the morning to get my exercise, which is my legal time to get out, it's so nice to see a face that somebody's saying hello or making an effort or I can have a conversation with someone. So am I enjoying it at home? Yes. But again, got to bring balance to that, right? Absolutely. Definitely. Let's talk about biophilia. Now, what is it? And what do renovate, what should renovators know about it? So biophilia is the desire to 
put around us nature. So we can perhaps, I work in a really biophilic environment where we've got several trees growing in the space and 1200 indoor plants that have been grown indoors that are like a lush garden. And I think it's important to surround ourselves with life-giving oxygen with it, with our plants. And there's something lovely about surrounding ourselves with organic elements and they might be live plants and some people say I can't keep a plant alive there's some plants that grow like weeds and you can't kill them but even things such as if you're putting sand in a jar and placing cells you know shells over that sand or pebbles in a bowl there's just something lovely that comes back from nature to surround yourself with soft elements and again I think the world is such a hard fast place we need to celebrate some of that nature and bring it into our homes even if it's the smallness of pebbles in a bowl uh, that's that's bio biophilia but biomimicry is designing based on nature so for example you might have an aubergine and the aubergine is this lovely plum color or dark deep plum color and the green of the stalk and if you cut it open that's this lovely ivory white you might reproduce those colors in bed linen so you might have a green duvet with an aubergine pillow and ivory sheets so you're reproducing a little bit of what you're seeing in nature back within the home and I think that in itself is very soothing and calming because you know how it feels when you're at the beach or in the park and you're surrounded by nature there's a lovely sense of organicness to it as opposed to sterile situations. I know for myself, if I go to somewhere like a hotel and you're staying, it feels like a very sterile space. And I think if we want to take away from that sterility and bring that peace and harmony and contentedness, we need to bring in elements from nature at the end of the day. I really agree with that. And I'm thinking about some of the things like the chandeliers made out of the kappa shells that they, the shelves, like they look a bit like mother of pearl and they twinkle like when the wind goes through them. Lots of, and mm. I have to say, I, I love lots of indoor plants. Can't grow them, but thankfully Stephen's mm. a bit better at it than I am. But because <laughs> I think they just bring a place to life, you know, they, yeah. And they bring like, it's practical, like they bring oxygen into the space. So yeah, I, I think that they um, do. It is something that we'll see more of too. And I think it's because homes are becoming smaller and they're not, they've not got gardens or have less so. And so the way of counteracting that is bringing the outdoors in and having our life, quality of life improved as a result of that. Absolutely. I'm going to ask you a question now. Is that okay? Oh, golly me. Yeah, of course it is. So we've worked together a little bit in the past and we've got something rather exciting coming up. Do you want to tell me what that might be? Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. So we have a Women in Renovation Expo coming up and that is a two-day event and it's going to be held in Coroma's beautiful biophilic building. And the focus is on women and their passion for renovating and making homes more beautiful. Do you want to add some of the details in? Yeah, look, I'm, I'm really excited about it for a few reasons, including the fact that we are empowering women to take charge of their own careers. I'm also excited that we'll have other contributors 
that will come to assistance of women to do the same. Now, the thing that I love about your business and your business model is that you are a one-stop shop. You're not a person who says, this is how you renovate, get on with it. You bring in brokers, you bring in real estate agents, you bring in property stylists, you bring in carpenters, you bring in plumbers, you bring in all of that talent is in your gene pool. So you are a DIY bag full of renovation tricks. And we've got two days worth of exploring all of that. And I think that for women who want to do something different in their chosen career, or they want to retire into renovation and use their superannuation in a profitable way, I think it's a brilliant idea to get yourself along to this two day and get up close and personal with you. Inspiration within herself of having done it. I, I believe that you did three renovations in one year at one point in time. Is that right? Yeah, I'm doing three right now. Oh no, I've just sold one, two right now. But I'll soon yeah, have that's, a third. So, so most years I've had three. Yeah, so that's yeah. a huge, 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 hugely inspirational. Yeah. And the the thing is, I think it's really easy to learn from being taught, but when you're learning from somebody who's on the tools, on the job, firsthand, coalface, it makes it that much more enlightening because they live, eat, breathe, and sleep and walk it. Exactly. And I think, I, I guess I want to just go back to why women, I think, probably is important. And one of the things that I know about women is that a woman's uh, on average, a woman's earning capacity diminishes the minute she has her first baby and it never fully recovers. And so I, we know that for a fact, and it usually doesn't, the problem doesn't usually show up until one of two things happen. Either they have a crisis as in their relationship falls apart or their partner dies or something terrible happens, or they get close to retirement and realize I am just really poorly prepared for this and I'm not going to have a retirement in the same way I've lived my life. And the thing that, and so I think that we actually have a responsibility to make ourselves more uh, financially resilient because otherwise for me, the flip side is you're either dependent on your children or you're living in a way that they would feel bad about you. And so I think renovating is a great way to do that because it taps into those nurturing instincts that we already have. And so that's why I love the idea of the Women in Renovation Expo, because we're really um, demonstrating what is possible. And unfortunately, as women, we tend, to, we tend to undermine ourselves. We lack confidence when we know we can do something, but don't do it. And that's why I think it's really important to have that team of people around you, rather than not making progress because you're, you feel like you can't do it, just bring the team in and and just your role is directing traffic, basically. And so that's why I think having that crew of people is really important. Does that make sense? Yeah, I do. I just think women do things better in tribes. And I think you and I are in, on the same page in that women straighten each other's crowns, right, Bernadette? It's not, I know somebody recently said to me, the problem with women is they're always in competition with each other. And I, I looked at this person and went, not in my world. I don't, that's not what happens. That's not my reality. And I think you, you, your vibe attracts your tribe. And I'm surrounded by other women who 
constantly champion each other. And I think collectively it takes a village sometimes. And if you have a village connecting and championing each other, then, you know, you're going to stay on track. You can stay on target a whole lot easier than if you do it alone. Absolutely. And yeah, so I, I think we have come to the end of our, our chat. So we will be sharing more details about that event as time goes on and as it evolves. At the moment, it's tentatively set for the first weekend in November, but we'll in the coming weeks. And I am really looking forward to working with you on that project, Deb. I want to thank you for coming on to the podcast. My pleasure entirely and look forward to hearing the podcast, but also gathering again collectively and championing women together. So thank you again once so much. Hi Bernadette, it's Ali in Canberra. Hi Bernadette, my name's Charlie. Hi Bernadette, it's Liz here. Hi Bernadette, this is James from Bondi in Sydney. I've got a question I'd like to ask. I have a question. I just have a question for you. Interested to hear your thoughts. Thanks again for the show. Love it. Hi Bernadette, it's Liz here. I've got a question that relates to accounting for projects. There are just so many transactions when you do a reno. I hate the accounting and I want to be more organised and or get help with it in the future. So I'd like to know how you manage the accounting for renovations. What tips have you got relating to the use of bank accounts, for example? What software packages do you recommend, if any? And do you use a VA with accounting skills? Thanks, Bernadette. Hope you can help me sort this out for next time. So thank you. That message was from Elizabeth Gordon, and it's a really great message because with, um, so I think uh, Elizabeth was referring more to bookkeeping than accounting, but I, my response will incorporate both. And so it's really important that you keep accurate records for your um, projects. And so I want to preface this by saying that I too hate bookkeeping with a passion. Um, it's not that I'm bad at it. I just don't want to do it because it's tedious and time consuming and I've got more exciting things to do. And so the first thing I would say to you is if at all possible, I outsource the bookkeeping. Now, as you know, I do a lot of joint venture projects and I, if someone does a joint venture with me, it is highly likely that they will find that they're the person doing the bookkeeping. So that's my first tip. But if you're not doing joint ventures, then you've got to find another avenue for getting this sorted out. And there are, I guess, ways around it. And I'm just going to share my favourite way, and you mentioned uh, that in your question, do I have a virtual assistant that does accounting? And the, the answer is yes, I do. I have a Vietnamese-based accountant who actually manages our books. And um, so for everything, so for the projects and for the business, but she works really closely with my Australian-based accountant as well. So she does the sort of day-to-day and then, but that's overseen by our accountant in, in Sydney. And so I find that that is quite a good avenue for having your bookkeeping managed 
cost effectively and really having the best of both worlds. Like a lot of people say, well, why are you going offshore because you're denying people in Australia jobs? And my answer is always the fact that I have some of my people offshore means that I can have more people in, you know, like I can afford to pay people in Australia that I might not be able to afford. So, yeah, so that's definitely a good option. And I have, I know quite a few accountants that actually have bookkeeping services that are set up where they manage the bookkeeper. So that's definitely an option. In terms of software, I actually think that a, a straightforward project you can manage with an Excel spreadsheet. There are not that many entries uh, that have to be made. And so an Excel spreadsheet is a really good way to go. But if you're looking for some software that you want to use, then I use Zero. but it, there is a reasonable cost attached to that. What you can do is buy a little add-on, bundle add-on, if you're already using it for something else, for non-GST projects, uh, which only costs you about $10 a month, but you, you need to already be using Zero. And then there are also quite a few free apps, accounting apps that you can access. I know Michelle uses Expensify. So lots of yeah, you've got lots of avenues for going down that path. In fact, I reckon this could actually constitute a whole episode. And so I think I might put that on the list to cover. So thank you for your question, Elizabeth. This is the She Renovates podcast. To discover how to harness the power of renovating, check out theschoolofrenovating.com.